we ourselves confess feeling tired, confused, annoyed, even counterfeit in our prayers. This is not a book about the kind of prayer where we tell God things God already knows, as if Jesus needs a reminder that kids are dying in Sudan. Nor are we talking about the kind of prayer that excuses us from responsibility. Anytime we ask someone for help and hear all pray about that, we know to start working on Plan B. As our friend John Perkins from CCDA says, when you see someone who needs a handicap ramp, don't go pray for a ramp. Build them a ramp. When we pray to God asking, why don't you do something, we hear a gentle whisper respond, I did do something. I made you. Prayer is important. Just as important is the call to become the answer to our prayers. We have so much to unlearn before we learn. Our friend Tony Campolo tells the story of his grandson going off to say his evening prayers. The boy said, Hey, everybody, I'm going to pray. Does anyone want anything? Many of us start off this life praying simple little prayers, trying to ask God to do things we want. Take care of Mommy. Help me not get caught taking cookies. Help us find our lost puppy. Help us win the game. No doubt God has a special ear for the prayers of children, even the silly ones asking for girlfriends and the opportunity to be a cowboy. It's a good thing the Spirit intercedes on our behalf, stepping in to protect us from what we think we want and helping us not to settle for what we think we need. It's as if the Spirit says, Look, I know he said he wanted to be a cowboy, but... The longer we pray, the more we are sure of this. Prayer is not so much about convincing God to do what we want God to do as it is about convincing ourselves to do what God wants us to do. Mother Teresa was once asked in an interview, What do you say when you pray? She replied, Nothing. I just listen. So then the reporter asked, Well then, what does God say to you? Her answer, Nothing much. He just listens. The saints say prayer is less about what we say and more about being with the one we love. Prayer is about having a romance with the divine. The more deeply we are in love with someone, the less we have to say. In fact, a sure sign that we know someone deeply is the ability to enjoy one another without words, to simply admire each other. We once heard a wise elder say prayer is like a little girl playing at the feet of her grandma. She doesn't have to say anything or do anything to please her grandma, who was quite content just watching her play. And the most beautiful moment is when the child starts to grow tired. She just crawls into grandma's lap to be rocked, to hear a lullaby, to feel a kiss on the forehead and the warm embrace of love. We love these images of prayer as a deep and intimate relationship with God. When we sit back and think about prayer in a quiet moment, this is just the sort of experience we long for. But it's hard to remember these images, harder still to imagine what they could look like in the face of urgent needs and tragic loss. It's hard to know what it looks like to be a contemplative in the hood. Here's the good news. 
prayer and action can go together. In fact, they must. Otherwise, we have little more than a bunch of inactive believers or worn-out activists and neither do much good for the world. But not all of us are mystics and saints like Francis and Mother Teresa. For some of us, it's hard to know where to begin talking about prayer. So we have turned to Jesus. Beginning with the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we ask in part one of this book what it looks like to make the Lord's Prayer a model for daily life. While rooted in the intimacy of children talking to their father, this prayer is as practical as putting food on the table, paying the bills, getting along with neighbors, and wrestling with our egos. As we learn to reimagine the everyday in light of Jesus' prayer, we begin to live in a whole new world. Part 2 focuses on Jesus' prayer for the church in John 17. It's one th